Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, March 17th edition of Bang the Book Radio. And we're going to chat some NFL here on today's show with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline. We should be talking about the first two games of the first four, but obviously everyone knows by now everything that's going on out there in the sports world. We're still trying to keep the lights on over at bangthebook.com, trying to update you on everything going on in the NHL or in the NFL, excuse me. With some Major League Baseball stuff, uh, we'll talk horse racing over there as we get the opportunity to do that. So keep it tuned over at bangthebook.com. And of course, as you know, this and every edition of Bang the Book Radio presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. Like I said, I'm joined here by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. Brian, how's it going today, man? Well, it's going, Adam. Hang in there, buddy. Step up or lip for everybody. I mean, it's uh, it's a crazy time, to say the very least. I think we're, you know, cliche-ish. We're all in this together. And step up or lip, and let's get through it. Uh, everybody stay safe, and hopefully... Good news starts to come in here in, in the not-too-distant future, and at least you see light at the end of the tunnel where leagues start figuring out what's the best way back. But uh, the darkest days right now, but uh, what can we do, buddy? We're all in it. Yeah, pretty much. I know, obviously, there are a lot of industries that are going to be severely affected, and definitely here, you know, the sports betting industry with a lot of people that don't have things to bet on, a lot of people that, you know, are struggling to find things to talk about. Um, you know, obviously, it's a very difficult time for a lot of our friends out there in the industry and a lot of our friends in different industries as well. So, uh, like you said, you know, I, I guess we kind of are all in this together, and hopefully uh, things don't go as long as they're you know, kind of projecting them to here. Uh, as far as, you know, shutting everything down and, and all that type of thing. But in any event, one thing it's not shut down so far to this point is the NFL. The official NFL calendar year rolls around and everything gets crazy. You know, we don't have uh, full agreements here on all of this stuff because guys still have to pass physicals and all that whenever that comes down the pike. But lots of NFL news out there affecting the futures market, affecting the season win total market. And, you know, it's kind of funny, Brian, because we always talk about how you wind up with some difficult decisions whether or not you want to tie your money up with some of these futures and some of these long-term investments. But uh, maybe this year just kind of creates more of an opportunity for us to do that. Yeah. And by the way, happy St. Patrick's Day. It just dawned on me. I don't usually drink at home, but I mean, hell. <laughs> Shit, all I've done is drink for three years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I, you know, the crazy thing, I said this last week, and it was, you know, a question of, you know, the business can go on, and the only the PR shortcoming of this, or you know, throwing grenade contracts around when people are hurting, but you know, the the, the draft in Vegas is by the boards, and this is going to go on. Their calendar year soldiers on, and the the sincere hope is Adam, at the very least, right, that next fall football's up and running. Who knows what happens with the NBA, the NHL, things of that sort, but. Uh, the business goes on, the, the the free agency, then the draft, and the, the NFL was going to be, it's amazing, money goes to money, the 800-pound gorilla was going to be the big winner when there was nothing but downtime. Even even in the throes of the NBA and NHL playoffs, people are nuts, right, getting ready for the uh, draft, the draft Knicks, the free agents. I mean, football never goes away. 
And here's the NFL grabbing the spotlight and has it all to themselves. And there's a lot of real pertinent news out there. And thankfully so. I mean, we're sitting here with at least some things to to discuss and have some fun with. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I even saw uh, out in New Jersey, I think it was DraftKings Sportsbook, put up some college football games of the year lines already. So we've got NFL win totals. We've got, obviously, the futures market that's always going on. The prop market is more robust than it's been in the past in terms of, you know, which free agents are going to go where. The action, the handle for draft props offshore in states that allow that, that's going to be absolutely insane because people aren't going to have anything else to bet on. Um, You know, we are seeing a very accelerated timeline here for the NFL and college football. And like you said, hopefully by the time, you know, August and September roll around, uh, we're kind of back to as much normalcy as we can possibly get to. But again, a lot of news here, and I don't even know where the hell we should start. I guess we can start the AFC. It's got to be Brady, right? I mean, whether, you know, whatever. Um, He says bye-bye to the Patriots. But as we're taping this, all these things are unfolding. And uh, the Panthers have given Newton a right to seek a trade. Teddy Bridgewater's close to a deal with the Panthers. Uh, Now, the Chargers are uh, supposedly all of a sudden making a real charge at Cam Newton, which means that the Chargers will not be one of the Brady scenarios. And it would seem that it's the Bucs, and I guess is the favorite, and and with Tannehill locked up at Tennessee, I guess the Raiders conceivably could still be in play, but they got uh, Mario, uh, Mariota yesterday. So it's sure pointing towards Brady to, towards Tampa, don't you think? Yeah, it, it sure seems that way. I mean, I know that they've talked about the Chargers as a potential landing spot as well, and, and I don't necessarily love that fit. I, maybe it works in Tampa. The big question that I have, and the question that no one really seems to be talking about here is, how much is actually left in the tank for Tom Brady? You know, was last year more of an issue of not having the skill position talent? Or was it that Tom Brady's now 42 years old and there's less zip on the fastball? The deep ball is almost not an option anymore. We know he's never been the most mobile guy anyway. That's kind of what I'm wondering here and, and sort of seeing where he ends up landing. I mean, if he goes to Tampa Bay, he has the skill guys. I mean, he absolutely... 100% has the pass catchers down there on the Gulf Coast of Florida. If he goes somewhere else, I don't know. So that's what well, I'm wondering is, was last year the skill set deterioration or was it the lack of, of weapons around him? Well, the one thing is, if he goes to Tampa Bay, the one thing is, he you know, he could be a crash test dummy. Uh, the offensive line's got to be improved. Uh, yeah, he's got weapons to sling it to. But I don't know why you're asking me because, I mean, all you got to know is, you know, however, uh, whatever goes on behind closed doors, isn't Belichick the answer? I mean, if Belichick, if they thought they were, you know, in this with a, with a chance to, you know, be a monster again, after all the years of Tom Brady taking a haircut, don't you think they'd, they'd settle up and say, let's do this one more time? And the fact that they didn't work this out in New England, is it... Is it really Brady wants to do something and see greener pastures? Or is it just Belichick said, no, man, the ship has sailed. And, I mean, if anybody's, you know, a, a guy that would just, you know, lip, turn the page and move to the future, I mean, Bill Belichick, you would think, I mean, they know what they're doing. They've always gamed the system right, getting compensatory picks and always finding a way to refresh and reload with the auxiliary parts. But the most important position on the field is quarterback. And, and if Brady was still the guy don't you think the Patriots would have figured a way out to uh, figure a way to make this work out 
No, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's an excellent point. And it's something that we kind of talk about in horse racing from time to time where you, know, you may have a jockey who's got a choice between two or three different horses and he winds up picking one of them. And we start looking into that and saying, Ooh, maybe that's a horse that we want to back. You know, like you said, maybe the Patriots just decided Tom Brady is not the horse that they want to back anymore. And I don't know. I mean, do they go with Andy Dalton? Do they go with, I don't think they go with Jarrett Sidham. I don't think that's a possibility, but is it Andy Dalton? Is it, you know, somebody, do they take a shot with a guy like Jameis Winston and say, you know what, what the hell? We'll see how this goes. I, I don't know. I don't know what they do going forward, but it does seem like the choice was not to keep Brady. And of course today, you know, they kind of came out and said, well, we offered Brady this and he said no. And, you know, obviously smoke screens and a lot of people talking out of both sides of their mouth here when it comes to free agency. But yeah, I agree. Maybe this is a case where they thought, you know what? Maybe it is best that we just move on. Yeah, and I'm I'm punching it up right now. Let me just see what they got uh, cooking here. Uh, they they get two compensatory picks this year in the third round. Uh, they have their own first. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do they do they do something drastic on on draft day? I mean, do they jump up in and say, hey? You know, let, let's find the heir apparent. Uh, do they really, you know, they, they took Stidham last year, but is he the answer? I Probably not. I don't know. I mean, it, who knows? It's unfair to the kid. And who wants to be the guy to replace Tom Brady, too? Hey, good luck with that. Yeah, right. That, that's definitely the case. I mean, I think Dalton makes the most sense, truthfully. And obviously, Dalton very much available here, uh, you know, with the Bengals getting Joe Burrow. And, you know, I don't know. I think Dalton's probably the guy that winds up at least being a stopgap there, and maybe they try to, you know, find their next Jimmy Garoppolo and actually hold on to him this time. I don't know. That remains to be seen. But well, the, the, the news. Game, well, the news in the. Well, I think okay, you were just segueing. I was just going to say that the the news then would be, you know, in the division where Circus Sports had, uh, I believe yesterday they put up uh, NFL season win totals, and as a and they've moved already to the point where the Patriots are eight and a half and the bills were eight yesterday. The bills are eight and a half over 15 now, and they may very well end up uh, as this gets moving forward. The bills could I think it would go to nine and the bills of all things may be, you know, the favorites in the AFC East. They basically, if the, if you can make the case, they overpaid for Stefan Diggs. Uh, but they were going to use a first-round pick on a wide receiver anyway. So all of a sudden now, John Brown had a 1,000-yard season last year. But if you've got Brown with with nobody really on the other side, but if you've got Diggs, and boy, I, you know, I, as a Bills fan, went and watched some highlights today, pretty impressive stuff, uh, run after catch, stretch the field. But if you got two guys, Brown and Diggs, that can stretch the field, with Beasley underneath, the bottom line is this Bills defense has just flat out been way too good to squander, and the Bills had done all this work to get the available cap space to say, hey, you know, we have a handful of holes, not a not a plethora of holes to fill. Uh, you know, now the heat's on Josh Allen because he's he's going to have weapons now. Yeah, and that's the big question. You know, is is Josh Allen a guy that can maximize? those weapons that he has and, and Diggs is a great pickup so long as he's healthy of course and he has had some injury problems here over the last couple of years that's a really important one you know if he's able to be out there 
there's a lot of things he can do. There's a lot of things he can do to stretch the field. You can get him the ball in space, easy pitch and catch for Josh Allen, stuff like that. As you mentioned, the Patriots go from nine to eight and a half out at Circa. Uh, Bet Online has since taken down their season win totals with all the free agent frenzy and the trading going on. The Bills up from eight to eight and a half. Also, mild bumps for the Jets and Dolphins, each up half a win with the Patriots now coming down a little bit. A little more parity in the AFC East in general. And in fact, too, you know, not just Buffalo, who's going to get a lot of headlines, and I'm sure we'll talk about them quite a bit. Miami, you know, Byron Jones, great pickup. Emmanuel Ogba, good pass rusher, kind of overshadowed a little bit by Miles Garrett in Cleveland. Shaq Lawson's a guy that can get back there. Kyle Van Noy, maybe overpaid a little bit, but a very good linebacker, a very cerebral type of linebacker. All of a sudden, the Dolphins here, who are going to probably end up taking a quarterback in the draft, now they've got some of these guys on defense too. All of a sudden, Miami looks really, really interesting, not to win this division by any means, but to certainly rack up some victories. Well, to just say that the AFC East is up for grabs is something we haven't said for 15 years <laughs> you yeah, know right. uh, I mean so will the Patriots where you basically could have penciled them in to go five and one in the division at worst and they were almost an odds-on favorite to go unbeaten in the division uh, that that's a completely different animal now so that's interesting and it's funny I mean you mentioned you know the, the Cardinals uh, that's going to be interesting uh, you know listen uh, that's a great get. They get Hopkins. I, Bill O'Brien in Houston, mother of God. I, what, I mean, oh. you look what the Bills gave up for Diggs. Uh, that was the first thing I said yesterday as a Bills fan. I'm going, I'd have thrown two first-round picks to get Hopkins. I, what, 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 did did O'Brien just, the first guy he called, that's what they got back? I mean, a running back that basically, if you look at him cross-eyed, he gets hurt? I, that was insane to me. Uh, but then they go and they get uh, Phillips, the defensive tackle. Uh, the the Cardinals, big doings for them with, with a young guy, Murray, that I thought was pretty impressive in his rookie year in terms of his progression. Yeah, we'll touch on the NFC West in a second because I want to talk about the AFC South for that reason of I, I, I don't know what Houston's plan is here. I mean, I guess that they realized they couldn't give DeAndre Hopkins the contract that he wanted. They get Randall Cobb, who's a fine player, but – He's a third wide receiver at best now. And this is a Texans team that realistically should have you know, lost in the playoffs and won that division with a negative point differential. So this was already a team in line for some negative regression here going into this upcoming season. And they, you trade away DeAndre Hopkins and okay, fine. You got David Johnson, who if he's okay, is a fine player. But you know, this is not, a running back based league anymore as we all know and you've got Deshaun Watson and maybe Johnson helps Watson not get hit a million times but now all of a sudden you look at a Titans team that obviously figured it out once Ryan Tannehill took over I don't know what the future is for the Indianapolis Colts I don't think Phillip Rivers is the answer I think they're better off keeping Jacoby Brissett we'll see yeah, I do too that. and then you've got the Jaguars who are just kind of there so the Texans in a division that's largely up for grabs with three teams that were fairly equal across the board, they've really downgraded themselves here this week. No, there's no doubt. And, I, and I, I'd and i be fine with Brissett. I mean, that, you know, that Colts team last year, I thought that was pretty impressive uh, where, you know, the punch to the gut, luck retires. Um, I thought Brissett was more than serviceable, but they had many injuries throughout the course of the year. I think they're extremely well coached. 
They're at eight and a half. The funny thing is, if you look at the movement, the Tech, tech Titans are eight and a half even, and the Colts are eight and a half over a dollar twenty. Uh, in reality, they're the favorite. Which I don't get. Again, I, I, I no, I, I don't get it either because you kept Tatten, you kept the. Uh, uh, Tannehill, and you're keeping Henry. So, you know, I, I would think the Titans I, uh, got cinched. It's a long way off, but the, the Titans are winning nine football games, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think they have to. I, I will say this. I do like Indianapolis picking up DeForest Buckner. I mean, I think he's a very, very good player for a defense that needed a guy like that. But for Tennessee here, and maybe it's one of those things, too, where Tennessee – by and large, just kind of keeping status quo here. Now, I know they lost Jack Conklin to my Cleveland Browns, but, you know, status quo isn't sexy in this, you know, free agent frenzy offseason period. I talked about that a lot in my MLB betting guide, which you can get over on Amazon or over at bangthebook.com. But I talked about that where the teams that don't do much or don't make a lot of headlines over the offseason kind of become an afterthought. And it's almost like we look at this AFC South and say, well, the Colts are getting, you know, Phillip Rivers probably, who is an upgraded Jacoby Brissett for some people. Hey, they just got the Forrest Buckner. Meanwhile, we forget about a Titans team that rolled to the AFC Championship game before running into Kansas City and was a dramatically different team after Ryan Tannehill took over. It's kind of weird that they're almost, like I said, becoming an afterthought in that their season win totals eight and a half under minus a dollar twenty at circa. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I yeah, I mean, just right off the the hop i mean the titans and the colts you've got to like the titans chances better i would think um and i think there was a big learning curve and and the experience of making it all the way to the championship game i thought they were pretty well coached you know i liked a lot of what the titans did and honestly you you could it wouldn't have shocked me uh if if they'd have somehow that got messed up that if they didn't pay Tannehill and then they didn't decide to tag henry uh, who knows what that could have been, but to keep those two pieces, listen, the running back makes the quarterback a lot better. <laughs> you know? So they kept that together, and I, I thought they had more than serviceable weapons. All right, so let's go to the NFC West there. Since you talked a little bit about the Cardinals and the pickup of DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, Kyler Murray's got weapons, man, and Kyler Murray's a guy that showed last year he can play the position. He's a dynamic player a very exciting dual threat type of guy when he wants to go out there and run, can make a lot of throws. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury does things a little bit differently, and we'll see how that goes here in year two. But what a loaded division. I mean, the Rams have not done anything of consequence here so far, but they were a 9-17 and with a positive point differential. Seattle is the regression candidate out there in the NFC West, but you also have the San Francisco 49ers, who – trade from a position of strength, moving to Forrest Buckner. They get a first-round pick to where they can go take one of these awesome wide receivers that's in the draft if that's the position that they want to go with. This West division is strong out there in the NFC. No, there's no doubt. And, I'm, you know, when you're looking at, by the way, we're, we're this is like first blush and we're kind of, you know, doing this as we go. Uh, I'm just looking to see. I believe they play the NFC West East. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, Arizona plays the division. They play the Bills, Packers, Dolphins, Eagles, Redskins at home. Away, the Cardinals play the Rams, Seahawks, well, the division. 
Uh, they played at Dallas, at New England, yikes, at New Orleans, uh, at the Giants, and oh, was that last year? Wait, <laughs> I might be, I might, that might be last year. But I think they do think they played the uh, NFC, the 2020 regular season. Uh, does appear they play the uh, NFC East. So you, you got to take that all into account. But this is a team won five games last year and more than capable of winning games within the division against quality opponents. Yeah, it really is. And again, I mean, you know, we just kind of wait and watch and we sort of see, you know, how this Cliff Kingsbury thing moves forward because this is one of those scenarios where last year with the Cardinals, early on, they had some success. I mean, they were 3-3-1 three, three and one at one point. Then they wound up losing six straight games as teams kind of adjusted. As they lost some close games, they lost by a field goal a couple times in that span, lost by less than a touchdown to Pittsburgh. They had some close losses. They were kind of there. The defense still needs some work, but they're going to go out there and try to outscore the opposition this season, and maybe that's not a bad idea You know, in uh, hey, today's I, NFL. Maybe just it's to not say, a bad idea. No, just to save my bacon here. Here's Arizona uh, at home, the division. Um uh, but they've got the Bills, the Lions, the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the Redskins at home. There's, there's, there's some serious winnable games there on the road. Carolina, Dallas, New England, and the Giants and the Jets. No, I mean, they're, they're in the discussion to, uh, you know, make some damage. Well, and speaking of Carolina, obviously a lot of stuff going on down in Charlotte right now. They signed, they come to an agreement at least with Teddy Bridgewater. They're going to move on from Cam Newton, whether they cut him or trade him. We'll have to see how that whole thing plays out. Tampa Bay, probably the clubhouse favorite right now for Tom Brady as we're recording this uh, on Tuesday afternoon. But, you know, it's still a question as to where Brady will wind up going. Then you've still got the Saints, who, of course, still have Drew Brees. He wound up signing a two-year deal there. And the Falcons, who I think are really, really interesting because this is a team, when you look at Circa's adjusted win totals, they were 7.5 minus ten both ways yesterday. Seven and a half minus a dollar thirty over now at this point in time, and that's a team that showed a lot of sack last year because they could have quit. They could have quit. They could have got Dan Quinn fired, and then in the back half of the season, they actually played well. Beat San Francisco on the road. Beat New Orleans on the road. As we know, maybe kind of a resurgence coming for Atlanta. But a lot of people like the Bucks. A lot of people are going to like the Bucks if they get Tom Brady. People are going to sour quite a bit on the Panthers. It's an interesting dynamic in this division where the Saints have a really good team. Obviously, the skill guy is a good defense, but is Drew Brees kind of reaching that over-the-hill point in time? The NFC South is quite fascinating, too. Well, and if Bridgewater does indeed move on, uh, don't forget, I mean, all the talk has been with Peyton. Uh, he loves Taysom Hill. He, he actually thinks he's the quarterback of the future there. So... You know the core's there to take one more run, uh, one, one more run with this group. Um, yeah, I mean, Father Time's going to click in, but you know when you've got a Michael Thomas, and don't forget, you know what the Saints did without Breeze last year. I mean, it's still a really good football team. Yeah, they definitely were. They absolutely were. And you know, again, obviously, lots of dominoes still left to fall here in terms of trades, in terms of free agency, all those types of things. Uh, not a whole lot happening to this point here in the NFC North thus far, except for the Vikings making that Diggs deal, but they're going to replace Diggs with some first rounder who should probably slot in pretty quickly here. We can talk about the AFC North real quick, though. My Browns, very active. Austin Hooper, Jack Conklin, they pick up some really helpful pieces for them. Uh, and then you've got you know, the Ravens, who are the favorite. They get Calais Campbell. They're, I mean, they're completely loaded. 
What's interesting to me is the Steelers here, who aren't doing a whole lot. I think they should kind of position themselves for life after Ben Roethlisberger because that's coming up very, very quickly here. I'm kind of surprised their season win total sitting nine and a dollar thirty on the over. Yeah, you know the one thing is I think the the Ravens organizationally are just really, really good, and they they found a way here to kind of keep this entire core together and add something. Uh, and if Lamar Jackson stays upright, uh, I, you know, you, you, I think you can make the case, you know, the, the Chiefs, I don't know, is there a Super Bowl hangover would be the one thing maybe if you throw into the equation there. And, you know, the Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, uh, you know, can they pull off an upset or two here and there? But uh, the AFC looks to be the Ravens playground again. Yeah, it really does. And again, obviously, lots of moving parts here still with the NFL. Still a lot of guys left to sign. Some of these deals may fall through once the physicals actually come through and come to fruition. But again, I mean, here we are in the month of March. Nothing else going on, unfortunately. We've got NFL win totals for every team. We got all the futures market stuff. We're covering it over at bangthebook.com. But also, Brian, I mean, look, this is what we kind of have to, you know, bide our time with at this point in time. So, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens once we get to the season, assuming everything goes off without a hitch. People are going to be more prepared than ever because there's just not a whole lot else to do. I'll be very interested in seeing, you know, as lines come out for these games, we get some games of the year lines, stuff like that. You know, what happens with some of these moves, how tight these are for everybody. Uh, it's going to be an interesting NFL offseason market that will lead into a very interesting in-season market too. No, I listen, I think this is a wonderful diversion, but uh, when we're sitting here with really not a lot to talk about and, um, you know, to get, have that stiff upper lip, but this this is enjoyable. I, I'm honestly, uh, I'm, I'm glad the NFL went on with what they did. I, I think this is a breath of fresh air. Um, and, you know, they said, hey, the draft, we can't do the draft, the big event. Vegas is going to get a draft down the road in a couple of years and the Super Bowl, they said. So, okay. Um but the business goes on. These guys, listen, they're, they're telling all of us to work from home. They can work from home. And, you know, business goes on, and, and they're hopefully, uh, you know, going to be to the point where this season goes off as planned. And hopefully by that time we're talking fans in stands too. Yeah, and it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, c- could you imagine Tom Brady starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay? I don't no. think they're going to get there by any means. <laughs> but, you know, again, just something kind of interesting. For hey, us but you know about. what? Hey, Arians did a good job. Oh, he did a great job. He did a great job. I mean, look, if Jameis Winston doesn't throw 9,000 interceptions, I mean, where is that Bucks team last year? And I'm not high on Brady. I'm, I'm not a Brady believer for this season. I think that it was more than just the lack of skill position talent because he used to take average dudes and make them really good. I think he's well, past what, what that point now. Won't do, what he won't do and whatever shortcomings may be there, you know, uh, so if the Bucks aren't winning games 45-42, so be it. But the one thing Brady won't do is lose games. You know, I mean, for starters, there were, how many games did Winston do great things in the course of games? But Winston was responsible for the loss. So... If if it's, you know, protect the football, trust your defense, upgrade the defense, the, the one thing Brady won't do is if, if he loses a game or two, but Winston was responsible for five or six losses, that's a marked difference. No, that's, that's fair. 
That's that's definitely fair. It's a very good point. And again, one of the reasons why with this Brady speculation at Tampa Bay, their win total eight and a half minus one forty on the over there. And something else we didn't talk about, and I'm kind of curious about this: where Jameis Winston does end up going. And I think the Chargers probably the place that I would look right now for him. I mean, maybe an Andy Dalton goes out there, something like that. I think the Chargers are kind of uniquely positioned to play this high variance brand of football where. They've got a really good pass rush. They've got a decent defense overall. Maybe you go with Winston, who's who never had a running game in Tampa Bay. If he goes to the Chargers, he's got a running game and two backs that can actually catch the football. I think Winston's a really good fit with the Chargers. If they got him, I'd be very excited to take some futures positions with them, even knowing that the Kansas City Chiefs are in that division. Well, if you want to say the jury's out on Winston, I mean, the, the one thing I would say in his defense uh, would be, let's see, listen, close your eyes and picture Ryan Tannehill in a Dolphins uniform. You know, I used to laugh, you know, the Dolphins would go up to Buffalo, a three, three, four point favorite, you know, in December. And I'm going, are these people insane? I mean, the only thing it's scarred into my memory banks is Ryan Tannehill in a Dolphins uniform, being an astronomer, lying on his back, looking at the stars. Cause they sacked him eight times every, and, and you know, uh, but look what Tannehill did when he had a great running back. You know what I mean? So uh, Winston didn't have that at Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't know what's going to shake out uh, out with the Chargers uh, if Gordon stays there. But if Winston actually had a really good running game, then maybe the nonsense goes away. The skill set's there. It's the decision-making process that's the train wreck. Right. And I think that, you know, the Chargers would be a good fit for him. Again, I'd play list some season win total over stuff. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender necessarily, but could make a wild card run, you know, in what is a pretty wide open AFC here after the Ravens and the Chiefs for the upcoming season. Brian, one last thing I wanted to ask you about here before I let you go. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk as much as we can here with all this stuff going on. But the Kentucky Derby is going to go off in September now. And I don't know how much you've looked into this. I just want to Kind of get your thoughts on it here. The Sunland Derby has already been canceled this weekend down in New Mexico. That was one of the road to the Kentucky Derby races. As far as I know, Fairgrounds is still on for the Louisiana Derby this weekend. But what happens now? Because it's a three-year-old race for the Kentucky Derby. Now that we're pushing it back to September, what happens with these road to the Kentucky Derby preps? What do you think kind of the horse racing industry looks like here over the spring and summer? A gray area. I mean, I will say this. It was the only thing going on, and there was a spike uh, in horse racing handle. People were maybe paying attention and trying to learn a little bit about horse racing. Maybe at the end of the day, uh, you know, some good things come out of this for horse racing in terms of developing some new clientele, which is always the industry's main challenge. In terms of the Derby, uh, Mark Lawrence sent me an email yesterday uh, from someone he knew uh, this was before the announcement yesterday, said that the hotels in Louisville were asking an arm and a leg uh, for the hotel rooms. Uh, the exact date escaped me. It was in the fall, and which was the indicator that they were going to move the Derby to the fall. And sure enough, it's happened. And what would happen, uh, I don't know how things would shake out. Now, there is a, 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 fall, a, a late fall meet in New York. I don't know what it would mean to the triple crown per se that that would be the one thing if they held off and ran the derby late in the year uh and then conceivably if that were to happen 
would the Derby winner say, I'm going to keep going for the Triple Crown, or could the Derby winner say, hey, I won the Derby, I'm going to go to the Breeders' Cup Classic. So, and, and the other thing that would be really interesting is that the first Saturday in May and these three-year-olds grow up and change overnight. Your, your horse wins the Derby. By the end of the year, there are two or three three-year-olds that have turned into monsters that challenge the Derby winner. The Derby could be so immensely uh, entertaining and competitive because it's late in the year and all the three-year-olds have developed and grown into monsters. Bob Baffert's got a, you know, he's got a platoon he's ready to throw out right now. And that's what he's accustomed to having them ready to run the first Saturday in May. The real intrigue will be if this thing went at the end of the year, where a lot of these three-year-olds that weren't ready or would have been ready uh, in their development in the first Saturday of May, what may they be like when the Derby rolls around, which the Derby, unbelievable. Yeah, September 5th for the Kentucky Derby there at Churchill Downs. And we don't know what's going to happen yet with the Belmont or with the uh, or with the Preakness. We're not exactly sure. I mean, I don't know well, what. How the, the I don't other know thing. how this is going to be structured because I, I'm looking at this here. If I've got a three-year-old that I think can win the Derby or you know maybe make a run in the Breeders' Cup, something like that, what am I doing here in the road to the Kentucky Derby? Am I running the Florida Derby, the Wood Memorial, the Santa Anita? Like, what am I doing in April now to try and keep these horses going over the summer because we don't really have any big races over the summer for you know, the three-year-olds? Well, let me tell you something. Those races are plenty big enough. You know, I mean, yeah. if you got a three-year-old that's ready to run for a million dollars, you run for a million dollars. You only you're only a three-year-old once, so the the preps aren't going to suffer. I mean, if if a horse is on the road to the Derby, they're going to keep going on the road to the Derby. But the other stuff that could end up happening again, we don't know when life returns to normal. But all of a sudden, does the Travers become a, a major Derby prep? Right. I mean, the Travers was always OK. We'll we'll see the horses from the Triple Crown. They'll reconvene at Saratoga in the Travers as their three year old season progresses. The Travers could end up being maybe the most telling of all Derby preps. Yeah, no, which it's an, never been in the past. That's an excellent point. And uh, again, you know, we'll try to keep an eye on this horse racing stuff because we don't really have a whole hell of a lot more to talk about other than what's going on here in the NFL and college football. So maybe we'll get Brian back on. Uh, for some more horse racing stuff here as time permits, you know, as we go throughout this uh, this uncharted territory, to say the least here, in the sports world. But, Brian, you know, you and I, we, we just kind of keep going, and I know you're still going every day with Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline. No, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do, man? I mean, we you know, if we stay safe, do do try to live your life as best you can. Uh, but today we're doing Sportsbook Radio. Tony Neville from Treasure Island is going to, Swing by the studio. We'll sit seven feet apart. Not a problem. Uh, you know, uh, Stevie Slabshot and I, we're going to keep doing our thing. And then Vegas Hockey Hotline, Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period is going to check in. And, uh, you know, we life goes on, my man. I mean, albeit it's altered, uh, you know, you, you go on the premise that, knock on wood, good news is going to happen. And we find light at the end of the tunnel. Well, hopefully it happens sooner rather than later. But make sure you check out Brian Blessing on Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline at Brian Blessing on Twitter. And, appreciate- you know, it's my, it, my pleasure. But one other thing I'd say. And, you know, uh, my buddy Cam Stewart and I were doing the Hockey Betting Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian Blessing. And uh, we invite you to uh, join us for that because we, we have great fun with that. Uh, and we can tell old hockey stories 
and uh, have a couple of laughs uh, in the midst of all this nonsense. But uh, the Hockey Betting Podcast, we've, we've had great fun with that. And there's a Twitter handle there, the Hockey Bet Pod. Uh, that you could get on board. So, and we're we're soldiering on with that, and in hopes that it all comes back. But in the meantime, it's fun. Hey, buddy, there's never a day a bad day talking sports with you. There's never a bad day talking hockey, doing it with your friends, and have a couple of laughs along the way. That's all we can do. Yeah, most definitely. Once again, at Brian Blessing on Twitter and all those great shows that he does. Brian, appreciate your time, man. As always, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you again real soon. You got it, bud. Have a great day. There you go. There's Brian Blessing and at Brian Blessing on Twitter, sportsbookradio.com, KSHP.com, Vegas Hockey Hotline, and that Hockey Betting Podcast there. Speaking of betting podcasts, I'll be back on Thursday with a new edition of the Betters Box, our MLB betting podcast, getting you ready for the Major League Baseball season whenever that rolls around. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again on Thursday.